Welcome to Mental Health in Minnesota, produced by NAMI Minnesota, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, a nonprofit organization dedicated to improving the lives of children and adults with mental illnesses and their families. Visit NAMI Minnesota online at namihelps.org. Hi, I'm Kay King. I'm a community educator for eight years for NAMI Minnesota. I'm a family member who was born to a mother who lived with mental illness, and my only sibling lives with bipolar disorder. I hope you can join us for Get to Know NAMI. It's a session where we talk about education, support, and advocacy at NAMI Minnesota. At the session, you'll have a chance to learn about classes and programs that we provide. You'll have a chance to hear about our support groups and our helpline. You'll also have a chance to hear a little bit about the legislative policy, first-person language, and other advocacy programs that we offer. We have daytime and evening sessions available, one hour in length. Please go to our NAMI Minnesota website, namihelps.org, to see locations, times, and dates of our programs. Hope you'll join us. Hi, my name is Brian Jost. I'll be your host. NAMI Minnesota is celebrating its 40th anniversary year of providing education, support, and advocacy. This episode is one of the 40 stories of hope related to our 40th anniversary. Thanks for listening, everybody. We have Kathleen O'Leary recording today, February 13th, 2017. Kathleen, can you tell me about your journey to NAMI? What brought you to NAMI? I came from a little bit different direction than many of the people who are involved in NAMI. I came as a provider, primarily having worked as someone who was involved in delivery of services in the mental health system, a background in clinical social work, and working with individuals and working with families, seeing that that the interventions and the needs for accurate information and access to services and prejudices and confusions and all those complications to people healing and getting better and uh, seeking what services may be available to them just prompted me to look a little broader and thinking of an organization that has its focus outside of the actual delivery of services, but much more in the understanding of the need for services and the support for families for trying to get people to get hooked with services. NAMI just was there and stepped in at a time they were starting to get involved more with the legislature and advocating for policy changes. That's just where I started and got both feet in NAMI from there. Was your initial experience right into the board or did you? Well, well actually closer than you would expect uh, ordinarily. I, I stepped into a committee that was uh, involved with the legislature and then very soon, really within a few months, there just happened to be an opening on the board, which I then uh, accepted that assignment thinking, well, I could broaden my involvement. And then um, just circumstances, somebody who was in the president role needed to step down earlier than they anticipated. So I stepped into being president a little faster than ordinarily somebody okay. who's involved in an organization. Yes. What did that feel like, stepping into that role? Well, at the time, uh, NAMI wasn't as big as it is now. So keeping in mind, it was a uh, group of very dedicated, uh, competent people who'd already had their feet solidly on the ground. It wasn't hard to step in. Mm -hmm. Um, Came out again with a little bit different perspective, uh, not so much just... Uh, trying to fill the void in my own personal needs for family members or whatever, but much more 
picturing it as, well, how do we make this a visible, active organization that more people can get involved with and receive the benefit from? Mm-hmm. So getting in the board position at that time was just a way to see it a little more broadly. And what effect did it have in, in the work you had been doing? Well, that uh, was a, a little bit of a, a surprise to me. I was just overwhelmed with um, being impressed with the, the passion of the people involved in NAMI. I mean, their dedication and their pain and their sharing of what they had gone through in their own personal experiences really was very absorbing. I mean, it just kind of pulled me in. Can you think of a a particular event or project that you're really proud of having been a part of? Well, most of my pride comes from being a witness of what all has gone on rather than saying I did anything. Um, or my impact. Uh, But the things that come to mind of what I think of in the changes over the course of NAMI, particularly in the last 20 years, uh, seeing it um, be more stable, more as a kind of a business, an an entity that has uh, a little more business practices. The office was able to expand. We had more space to hire staff who could then have clear jobs instead of everybody doing everything. And we had uh, some opportunities to see uh, ways to do some fundraising, had some very, very powerful people who stepped up and made some things happen. And then you get some money and then you get to do more things and and all that uh, being led with, with some real in- incredible passion and energy from Sue Abderholden since she was uh, stepping into the director role at the time that I was stepping into NAMI, and to see how that grew. And again, to give some some uh, suggestions and support uh, for how it could be expanded and, you know, take those leaps of faith and don't be afraid, go ahead and sign that lease and <laughs> let's go think big. And, um, it, you know, take on more projects than you have time to do. You know, all that, of course, was part of the realities of the beginning of the expansion, but it was also exciting to watch. Yeah, that's funny. You say sign that lease, and now we're we're running out of room mm-hmm. in our uh-huh. current office. <laughs> that's right. It is. It. I mean, it really is amazing to see where it started to where it has grown in a time that, um, you know, there's a lot of demand for people's attention and there's a lot of organizations floundering and there's a lot of need that you can't begin to take care of all of it. But NAMI has has done very well. How have you viewed the mental health system change over the years? Well, with some frustration and sadness. <laughs> the reality is some things we all know need to happen, but they don't. And that, you know, that is of concern. It is... Uh, it is rewarding to see the accomplishments of of some of the legislatures, you know, the Paul Wellstones of this world that, that did get enough attention to mental health services in the demands from the insurance payment world and in Medicare and medical assistance. And, and that, I mean, I, I truly think that is established now that people have understanding that you cannot separate the brain from the body and that all these things do go together. It's the, the sadness and the frustration comes from the stigmas that just don't go away and all the education out there on the benefits of treatment, and yet there's still so many obstacles for people getting treatment. 
you know, whether it's just geographic access or it's just, you know, professional divisions and complications that um, that are barriers that I find that unfortunate that that's a harder thing to dissolve than would have liked. Are there approaches that you think are not being used yet to make a faster difference? Well, I, I do still think it's unfortunate that we talk about mental health as though it was separable from any other kind of health. And it's unfortunate that we we have such an emphasis on the illness rather than the wellness. Um, again, those are things that are a lot harder to change than you would think in the face of all the evidence of how human beings are built and how pervasive problems are. They're, it's not like anybody is, is separate from risks. And yet we have these separations of service delivery that don't match what we know about the needs. Yeah, the language is powerful. Mm-hmm. And our, that's the way our brains work. And we start categorizing things mm-hmm. in in categories that should have been more melded and dissolved. And hopefully we'll get a better understanding in practice. But there still is um, just a lot of confusion and unnecessary energy put into just getting people what they need when they need it. And then, of course, throw in some financial limitations on services, and it you're really struck with the, some really un, insurmountable barriers that really is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. What are your hopes for the future of NAMI? I remember when I very first started NAMI, not knowing as much about the organization as you would expect somebody to know when they joined. I had to learn quickly about just, well, who are we and how does this work and what does this mean? And I remember asking about the mission statement because it wasn't so visible. You know, I had to look in the materials and find it. And I remember saying, I remember saying at a board meeting into Sue, it's like, you know, I can't be the only one who needs to be reminded of this really strong, powerful mission statement. We need to put it on everything. And now it is much more visible and much better understood and known. And it's still the goal. I mean, there's still just unending need to advocate and to support and expanding that, particularly when you've got a huge state with some, a lot of lakes in between getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. It uh, has some obstacles, but it's nice to know that that is a solid mission statement. It's still a goal. It's still one that can be understood. It's one that everybody can take a piece of it and see that go forward. I mean, I think it's it's nice to know it doesn't. The NAMI doesn't have to change. It just has to keep going. Right. It's nice to have that clear mission. Yes. It's it's still a workable mission. It doesn't need a, a new mission and a new goal and a new drive and a new let's adjust. It's like, no, we're still out there trying to accomplish the same things that the organization was developed for. What has it meant for you personally to have been involved with NAMI? Well, personally, it was just a major growth for me of um, just understanding organizations and, again, being with people that were just so tied to the importance of what they were doing. Uh, it, it's a different emotional attachment seeing that than people to just paid jobs that you go and do your work and go home. And to see the say the, the really uh, strong passions of people in NAMI was, was a, a personal growth for me. I also think it was just very, very rewarding to see that when you do put people together and aim in the same direction and 
have the leadership to keep going in that direction, you can have this development. So I very much enjoyed it as a witness to see what's all has happened. And I, I think that has helped round out my sense of a career working uh, working with people and working with troubled people and to see that there's a, there's a lot of different approaches, not just one. Has your experience with NAMI opened up anything in relationships with people in your, your, you know, your family or friends to help you recognize anything about somebody else's mental health that maybe you wouldn't have noticed otherwise? Well, again, because I'm coming from a background of the service delivery, both inpatient and outpatient, kind of a, a long there. career You're and already, a long range of, right. of, yeah. of exposure to all kinds of problems. I don't know that I see the problems differently. I think I see, have a lot more um, understanding of the obstacles for people to getting services. Can you tell me more about the work that you were doing? Well, I, I did a lot of, of different things over the years, some of it crisis intervention, some of it inpatient uh, initial involvement when people were being admitted, uh, a lot of outpatient psychotherapy, a number of different places where the person who was, who was suffering at one level or another from some kind of d uh, dysfunction or some kind of distress, um, that's different than being at a, at a different viewpoint where people don't even know they have a problem and don't know where to go and don't know how to get there. So I was more on the receiving end of people coming into contact with the service delivery. And it's just been an interesting perspective having just learned from, from the other NAMI members that uh, it, how much they go through before they get to somebody's office or the door of the emergency room or the hospital or the phone when they're calling. There's still so much more before that. That was definitely my hope when I first got involved, that I could um, take the information to my colleagues and say that this is what families may be in need of. This is where we have to put some emphasis on, uh, again, all those barriers and obstacles. And I think it was uh, a little bit sobering to become aware that People are just stretched thin already. They just can't take on every aspect. And, you know, as much as they had concern and sympathy, there's still a lot of providers that, uh, yeah, I just can't take on one more thing. I can't reach out to the families and, oh, yeah, I forgot to give out the brochures. And, oh, yeah, I suppose I could have told them about that meeting. But, oh, you know, I was busy. All the realities of uh, people really stretched. And, uh, again, it gave me a different perspective on the obstacles is not because of the, the intentions of anybody on the whole continuum, whether it's the providers in the thick of, of providing services or on the edges of people just getting there or the people in need who don't even have an idea of where to go or what to do. It's not intentions that are the problem. It's more um, the complexities, I think, and that people have trouble even grasping that whole line of that whole continuum, that whole big picture of how, to, how do you get services to the places where people are, whether it's the school psychologist or somebody providing appropriate services in a prison. You know, there's times you have to go to the person. Um, one of the other times that we can help get people to uh, some crisis services, either in their home or in an emergency room. How do you get people to an office? How do you get their insurance to pay for it? I mean, it just is so many so many aspects, and again, the complication of it, the complexity, 
just kind of wears everybody thin, I think. And then it's overwhelm, too hard, can't do it. <laughs> so the, the changes don't come easily, and I think I'm much more sympathetic to that now. But it doesn't mean that there hasn't been a lot of growth and understanding and advancement. I mean, I truly think there's progress. It just takes over and over and over hammering away at an issue to get that little step accomplished, and then you work on the next one, and you work on the next one. Are there certain parts of that complex system that seem more easily advanced than others? Well, probably not more easily advanced, but I think more clear-cut in its impact, and that would be uh, the lobbying to the legislatures, whether it be the the local, you know, uh, or the state legislature or the national, but even, even your local school board, you know, whatever it may be that people have uh, reached out to give education to, and of course NAMI truly leading in advocating for legislation in the Minnesota legislature. I, you know, I think that's not easier, but I think it's more visible of mm -hmm. the accomplishment. You can see that it's a lot of work, but it pays off. Well, I don't have any more questions. Thank you, Kathleen, for having this conversation today. Well, thank you for giving me an opportunity to uh, toot a horn a little bit for NAMI. Yeah, absolutely. NAMI Minnesota champions justice, dignity, and respect for all people affected by mental illnesses. Through education, support, and advocacy, we strive to eliminate the pervasive stigma of mental illnesses, affect positive changes in the mental health system, and increase the public and professional understanding of mental illnesses. NAMI Minnesota vigorously promotes the development of community mental health programs and services, improved access to services, and increased opportunities for recovery. NAMI Minnesota is located at 800 Transfer Road, Suite 31, St. Paul, Minnesota, 55114. Call us at 651-645-2948 or toll-free at 1-888-NAMI-HELPS or email namihelps at namimn.org. NAMI Minnesota's website is namihelps.org. Outside of Minnesota, visit nami.org to find your state NAMI organization.